0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message from Senior Pastor Robin McMillan. Today I'm going to unashamedly and without apology overstate my case. And so if you say I've gone too far... That's fine. But I'm speaking on what I want to identify as one essential thing. Why don't you just say that little phrase? One essential thing. You know, isn't it wonderful in life sometimes if we can boil it all down to just one thing? Just one thing. So is there one essential thing that we must have? That offers us the fullest life. I'm going to ask you these questions. Let's think through this. Is there a specific principle that should be the core value in the life of every believer? What indispensable distinctive should characterize the life of every Christian? Is there a foundational practice that helps us experience the fullness of God's love and enjoy His presence? Let me say that again. Is there a foundational practice that helps us experience the fullness of God's love and enjoy his presence? Is there a guiding principle that most clearly represents the heart of Jesus? And I have this answer yes. 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 What is it? Thanksgiving. It's being thankful. It's being grateful, so here we are um, several days before the holiday we celebrate this Thursday here in the United States, and Canada celebrates it at a different time, but uh this Thursday, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a national holiday. Families get together, and hopefully hopefully they acknowledge the many blessings that we have to be thankful for here in the United States. Thanksgiving's not just turkey and dressing and sweet potatoes or Donna's homemade yeast biscuits. She only makes twice a year. Rice and gravy, rice and gravy lovers in the house. Now, you grew up north. Yeah, you grew up up north. I don't know what's wrong with you. man. Let me try that again. Rice and gravy lovers in the house. So, I'm telling you. So you probably think I have coffee in this cup. No, this is decaf Diet Coke. It's in a coffee cup purely for image. People, and think, think about that. We don't know who people are. We just know who we think they are. Oh, pastor, intellectual... He's got glasses, cup of coffee, shirt tail out. Used to wear his hat till his wife said, don't preach in it. (laughs) So Blake's getting married. (laughs) Notice how my mind stays on focus. So he says to me at breakfast, at the men's breakfast, which was awesome. If you missed it, you can still be a man, but no. So Blake says, those of you who have been married a long time, what advice would you give me for a happy marriage? I said, bro, you only need to know five words, and they're in only two sentences. He said, what's that? One of them's a contraction. No. No. I'm sorry. And I was wrong. (laughs) My wife is saying, You hypocrite. (laughs) He didn't ask me what I did, he asked me what the secret was, so So it's not just turkey dressed in sweet potatoes, Thanksgiving. It's not just homemade yeast biscuits. It's not, I don't know, you don't like rice and gravy, dry toast and (laughs) gruel. It's not deviled eggs and onion casserole, brandy and Sarah's, handiwork there. No. No. Thanksgiving is the key to another kind of royal feast, one that the world is hungry for, the world is longing for. Thanksgiving opens us up to experience the presence of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. Thanksgiving is more than a general, oh, yes, I'm thankful, as you easily slip back into ingratitude, complaining, criticism. Nobody said amen there. It's so okay. But to be the most effective in being thankful, you need to be intentional and you need to be consistent. Because Thanksgiving is more than a yearly holiday. It's a lifestyle. And I call it the one essential thing. the One thing you just cannot do without of. Do without. One essential thing. Um, Okay, let's look at the human condition. What basically happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They lived in paradise. How can you mess paradise up? See, we think if all the situations were perfect, we'd be happy. Perhaps that's not true. In the very DNA of humanity, They lived in paradise. They had everything they needed, everything they wanted, and God withheld but one thing. But one thing. God gave only one requirement. They could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. He warned, in that day, you shall surely die. Satan came and convinced them that God was, was holding out on them. Now, why even have, um, what was it, two trees in the garden? Rick's book, but tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, philosophically, I don't know if it's theological, it's at least philosophical. You you can't, you, love requires choices, decisions, and responsibilities. And if you don't have choice, and if God didn't give choice, love wouldn't be real it wouldn't be it just would not be real if if they could if you cannot choose not to love God or choose to love God, then love's not real. It's either a mandate or you're a robot. And so it turns out that the world's a very dangerous place. It's a place of choices. It's a place of decisions. It's a place of responsibilities. It's a place of consequences. God made it that way. From the very beginning, he gave mankind the option of not loving him obediently, and they didn't. Somehow the enemy convinced them he is holding out on you. Will you surely die? He was pressing the limits. And so I've been reading a book um, by a woman named Ann Voskamp, and our ladies read it, I don't know, six or seven years ago. It's called One Thousand Gifts. And there are three books that have changed my life when I read them. I've read a bunch of books that were interesting. They were theological. But there's not much theology, real Theology, just the knowledge of it, that actually seems to do anything in my heart, or gives me energy to be transformed. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so so much of what we can get into is it's um, it's it's head knowledge, and and it doesn't touch you here. You know, when something terrible happens, one of one of the places you feel it is here. How many of you know what you're, that's because that's really the seat of your belief system. This is a processor. Something may give you a headache if it's terrible, but really if the bottom drops out, something hits you here because it, it's the seat of your emotions. Really it's where your faith is. You don't believe you believe in your heart, but that's not your blood pumper. You believe in the very core of who you of who you are, and so um, there are only three books that have ever touched me. There, it's this one, the Bible. It's another one I'm not going to tell you about until you read this one, which is called One Thousand Gifts. I've just already mentioned it, but it's 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 remarkable. It's life changing. It it really it really is. Um. And so, here's a quote from this book by Ann Voskamp. Ultimately, in his essence, Satan is an ingrate. And he sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply, painfully ungrateful for what God gave. Now, I don't know if this next phrase is true. This is what she says. Isn't that the catalyst of all sins? I think that's debatable, but it's in there. Big time. Big time. You don't get what you want. You feel sorry for yourself. You make allowances. You do things you have no business doing. On it goes. So Adam and Eve lived in paradise until Satan tempted them to believe that even with all God had freely given them, God was withholding from them when he was simply protecting them from something horrible. If ingratitude accurately describes a condition called original sin, does not thanksgiving play an integral part in our recovery, in our well-being, and our being returned to a state of wholeness? Now, I've read everything almost this morning that I've said because I don't want to miss any of it. I want it to build, um, I, want God to, I want God to touch the, the very core and DNA of this church. Because this church is no stronger than the sum capacity of those people who are here. That's who we are. Jesus is the head and we're the body. Um, I want to I read that again because I think this is so important. If ingratitude accurately describes a condition called original sin, doesn't thanksgiving play an integral part in our recovery? Our well-being, our being returned to a state of what I would call wholeness, and so I want to read. Um, I want to read to you a little bit about uh, what Jesus thought about this and how he, you know, just the way he um, handled people and situations. I want to look in Luke chapter 17, and I don't have this overhead. I do have a few from what Paul said here in a minute that are quick and to the point, but this is about the, uh, the 10 lepers. And so if you want to look there, it's in verse 12 of Luke 17. Then as he entered a certain village, there met Jesus' 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. So all 10 of them were healed. All 10 of them were no longer lepers. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving Jesus thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? That stuck, you know, I was reading through this again this morning. I've been reading this all week. That one question Jesus asked, well, two questions. Were there not ten cleansed? Then he said, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. All ten were cured. But only one was made whole. Let me say that again. All ten were cured, but only one was made whole. The word healed is something, but the word well is the word, a different word, it's sozo. How many of you are familiar with that word sozo? It's its the word for salvation. We talk about um, uh, having salvation, having our sins forgiven, having new life, that's salvation, sozo. And so Jesus is saying, um, Ten, ten got cured, but out of all ten of them, only one of them, only one was made whole. And so it's interesting, Jesus connected wholeness and thanksgiving to faith. And we could possibly say, your faith is incomplete without thanksgiving. And you'll never Be made whole no matter how healed you are in body if you don't have at the core of your being this understanding and appreciation for what it is God has done for us, what it is we find in the world. Yeah. See, all of them were cured. Only one was made whole. All of them got their healing, but only one found real salvation. Something different had happened, and here's the question Jesus asked: Where were the rest of them? Where were the rest of them? And you know, I hate to say it, I've been some of the rest of them for many, many days in my life. I've been saved 50 years. I should be embarrassed in some ways. But he said, "Where were they? I did this for 10. Only one um, was thankful. Now It's not like we're trying to pay a debt to be thankful because then you get into some kind of a weird thing. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. I wonder if that's enough. Thank God. Thank God. No, 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 no. It's, it's a heart condition. It's an acknowledgement of having been given something of a benefit or of a blessing. Um, now, when I was, I was talking to Donna this morning and I, I said, um, Donna, Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Donna said, well, Jesus wanted all of them whole. What if it, that were not so much a rebuke as it were a sadness that nine of them missed out on what they could have all had? Because, you know, Jesus is not, we don't see Jesus the way he is. We see Jesus the way we are. And so in all honesty, I would look at Jesus this morning and say, yeah, see, where were they? And Donna would say, well, he was concerned that they weren't whole too. And I was going, oh, well, uh, that's a pretty good point for a woman to make. When she's not the preacher, (laughs) I'm joking, but not about the good points. I mean, but but don't you see how we see things? You know, oh, criticism, much criticism is seeing things as we are, not as they are. And we've got to stop that. No, you don't have to stop it. Actually, you can go your merry way. You can get where you're going. You can get where you're going, but Jesus wanted all of them whole, not just cured because wholeness is related to appreciation, gratefulness, and thanksgiving. And in Jesus' world, Jesus' worldview, the way he saw things, the way he automatically acted was being thankful, being grateful, rejoicing in God for all his gifts was normal for Jesus. That was his worldview. Now, our response makes a huge difference in our lives. And I don't think, uh, I don't think we always understand this. The word responsibility. Think about that word. That's the able to ability to respond. You could say it that way. Responsibility. We think, oh, I have this responsibility. You go, no, that's negative. That's worldview again. No, you have the capacity to respond in a way that enables God to touch your life more, pour more into you, trust you with more, and bless you with more because you see who He is and what He really wants to do. He wants to touch everybody. He wants. All nine people whole. And it's interesting to me, the one guy you wouldn't think would be that grateful in one sense was the Samaritan. But there's a point where people that who have had it the worst recognize benefit the quickest. It's the people, oh no, it's the people who think they do something that don't regard the blessing. Well, of course he should have healed me. It's the scourge of a generation. It is. It is. Let me tell you, oh, I'm messed up, but let me tell you. So you get a you get a notebook and you write down a thousand things you're grateful for. I'm on number fifty as of this morning. Number thirty eight, watching home alone and howling with Louisa, Moses, Jude, and Grandma. That was a gift. It was a gift. I was so thankful. Number one, and this doesn't, you know. Number one, Donna's laugh. Number two, I knew that would get that from the lady. Number two, leaves skipping across the parking lot in the fall. What a gift. What a gift. Dewdrops. Now, this is poetic as the Dickens... Dewdrops, drops like liquid pearls or blinking small white Christmas lights hanging off the bottom of the backyard fence. That's a gift. Ah, the sun came up. Look at those streaks on the fence. A good night's sleep. Oh man. Our responsibility. We 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 are called to respond to God. And and the way we respond will tell the tale of your life. It will. It will. It it can be the key to increase. Let me say that again. I don't think but one person really got. It can be the key to increase. It is. It really is. Whatever whatever, you, um, whatever tone you express increases, hatred, fear, hostility, criticism, here it comes, anger. And Voskamp said, hasn't there been enough disgust in the world already? Haven't, haven't enough people said, I can't believe this is going on. I'm utterly aghast. <laughs> that does nothing for anybody. Nothing. 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 You're just another stupid vitriolic complainer. <laughs> Guess who you will attract? Other Stupid, vitriolic. Look vitriolic up. It's shocking. Complainers. And I'm listening. Listen, this is a DNA disease of mankind. Not I got it. You don't know. Everybody has this. This is what we fight. This is the battle. John six eleven, And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, what loaves? So, so, so there are 5,000 families, right? And this little boy, and I am sure they did not strong on that boy. He had five loaves and three fish, right? I am sure, I, I think that little boy said, here. Here's my part. So Jesus took the loaves and we had what? Giving thanks. He gave thanks for not enough. Not enough for that little boy. So he looks at the 5,000. He looks at the not enough. And he says, oh, this is perfect. I know how to do this. He gives thanks. He distributes him to the disciples, the disciples to those sitting down. Likewise of the fish. And listen to these last five words. As much as they wanted. Everyone had as much as they wanted. And the leftovers were one basket per apostle. Twelve full baskets. So we, we, be, we begin to see a pattern. You have a gift, you respond with thanksgiving, something wonderful happens. Jesus took the gift, little boy's lunch, gave thanks for it, it multiplied. What if thanksgiving is the key to multiplication of resources? If it is, how must ingratitude, criticism, grumbling, and complaining negatively affect our lives and our resources? It stands to reason. Luke twenty two, nineteen through twenty. Um, and Jesus took bread. We're talking about now the communion. He gave thanks. Say say he gave thanks just this morning. Just let like that range right He gave thanks. Well, he gave thanks is one Greek word, Eucharistio. And Traditionally, communion in many branches of church is called what? The Eucharist. It's, it's the Thanksgiving meals, what it is. And Paul calls it that. But that's a whole, you have to get, you know, there's a lot more that could be said for that. But he took bread. He gave thanks. I forgot to tell you this, though. There in when when Jesus feeds the 5,000 families in in, in John 6... Later on in the chapter, the apostles are describing the geographical location where that happened. Do you know what they call it? Here's how they call it. They didn't, they didn't call it, oh, South Caesarea or something. They said, oh, oh, that's the place where the Lord gave thanks. What? 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 That's the place the Lord gave thanks. Oh, yeah, that, you know, um, you know, that was over there. And the most significant way they could identify a geographical location was God gave thanks and the miracle came. So he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup. Likewise means he gave thanks for it too. Likewise, he gave thanks, broke the bread. Likewise, he gave thanks, took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. And I want to read you another quote from Ann Voskamp's book. Quote, with an expiration of less than 12 hours. What does that mean? He was 12 hours from dying in agonizing death. With an expiration of less than 12 hours, what does Jesus count is almost important. And he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Representing the most, in one part, heinous crime ever to be committed against anyone ever in the entire history of the world the murder of the Son of God, the crucifixion. And then he says later, every time you drink this cup or eat this bread, do it in fond remembrance of me. That's the person that lives in us. I mean, the point being, we have we have re, we have access to the person that can help us live this same way, in thanksgiving. Okay, now I have a couple of verses from Paul, and then we'll. We'll look at a few more things and be done. But uh, here's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. You want to read that with me? Verse 4. Let's just read verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say. Rejoice is twice in that one verse. How often should we rejoice? Always. <clears throat> let your gentleness or let your graciousness be known to all men. What are we known for? Yeah, you know, what are we known for? What are you known for? When people say, oh, do you know so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, I know him. What's he like? Well, he's, is graciousness the first thing that comes out of their mouth in their description? That's a high standard, isn't it? But don't you love how the word just knocks the crap out of you? Pardon my French. I'm sorry. I'll hear about that. I haven't done that in a long time. The reason I I refrain from saying as many cuss words as I would like in the pulpit (laughs) is that encourages younger people to say them, and that's not good. That's anyway, but whatever. But with God, there's forgiveness. Let your graciousness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, that's not saying he's coming right back because he obviously didn't come right back. No, it means he's right here. He's paying attention. Be anxious, (coughs) pardon me, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, if you follow verse 6, what will occur in verse 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I read one teacher, he said... um, The practical application is you struggle with giving something to the Lord. You struggle. Well, you need to give it to him with thanksgiving. Well, Lord, this is really bothering me, but I thank you that I have given that into your hands. And the enemy comes back in your mind and says, yeah, but you go, thank God that's not mine anymore with thanksgiving. It's a warfare tool. It really is. Ephesians 5.20. How often should we be thankful? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I could say a lot about that. I won't. <clears> 1 <throat> Thessalonians 5.16-18. through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. So what's the will of God? How can you pray without ceasing unless you're being thankful all the time for everything you see and find? I don't know how it's you. Well, they say pray in tongues. That's hard too. (laughs) You know, I've tried it all. But there's something about being ever thankful, ever appreciative. (laughs) I'm so sorry excuse me now in the Old Testament Psalm 100 verse 4 enter his gates with thanksgiving so how do you get into his presence is there a method there could be a method if it's legit thanksgiving there's got to be a legit presence how do you get into, into his enter his what gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. So we could say the way into the presence of the Lord has got to involve thanksgiving. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it is the will of God. Do you think it's not the will of God for us to be in the presence of the Lord and to be happy? Do you think he thought, I'm going to create people, I'm going to make them as miserable as possible and see who still loves me? No, I don't think he thinks that way at all. I think we got ourselves into this mess. He's helping us get out. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what thanksgiving can do for us if we honestly and in our heart practice it Continually, continually. So that word Eucharistio, it means he gave thanks. Eucharistio, he gave thanks. And she writes, and writes, if our fall was the non-Eucharistio, the ingratitude, then salvation must intimately be related to Eucharistio the giving of thanks. Now think about the life of Jacob. Jacob is such an unusual character. He was a liar. He was a schemer. He was a skunk. He was a snake. He was not a good guy. He just happened to be our spiritual grandfather. Other than that, we're in good shape. But um, when God, uh, when, when he fled for his life because he'd snookered his Uh, brother Esau out of his birthright and his blessing and everything God had for him. Old Jacob tricked him out of it, lied his way into it. And Esau woke up to the fact and said, Jacob, I'm going to kill you. So Jacob runs for his life. He's going to his uncle Laban's house, who turned out to be four times the crook Jacob himself was. And that's a great story because Laban out Jacob to Jacob, which is what happens to every one of us. (laughs) <laughs> that's really cool. So Jacob is running for his life, and he falls asleep. His head's on this stone, and he sees the stairway into heaven, and he makes, he makes this conclusion. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. But that's see, that's a revelation. That's what it is to begin to be thankful. Oh, oh, the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. That's where we are. The Lord is in this place i don't i don't I'm not talking about the glory cloud necessarily, but it's personally finding God right where you are, and the truth is you should be able to say, if you wake up, if you shake your head, if you shake off that ingratitude, you'll say. The Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Then he said, Surely this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. What did we see earlier? um, uh, Giving thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. In the Bible, actually, in another place, Isaiah calls gates are thanksgiving. Open your gates you have the capacity to open your gates to everything God wants to give you. But it's not automatic. And it's not all at once. I've got promises older than some of your children. It's not all at once. And the best ones we wait for, and the longer we wait, the longer we're patient, the longer we're thankful, the more juicy and potent... The, the uh, promise, the fulfillment of that promise manifests because anything we get in a hurry, what did you get for Christmas in 1975? You don't remember. You didn't remember by January 1, hardly. You get it in a hurry. You lose it in a hurry. But there's something about intentional, consistent acknowledgement of what God's doing and being grateful. Now, I'm trying to conclude here, and I'm close. Mention this word, Eucharistio. The communion we just received this morning, we call Eucharist. Many do. Anne Voskamp says with an expiration of less than 12 hours, I read this earlier, what does Jesus count as all important? He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to them. The phrase he gives thanks is that Greek word, Eucharistio. So the word Eucharistio, or Eucharistio, it means Thanksgiving. Now I know I'm saying this a bunch, but just bear with me, it's worth it. The root word of Eucharistio is charis, meaning grace. So Eucharistio, Thanksgiving, envelops the word for grace. But it also holds as derivative from the Greek word chara or kara, which means joy. And so in that word, thanksgiving, is grace or gift and joy, okay? And so you identify the gift, you give thanks, and you receive joy so here's here's the idea find the gift find the gift you have to look for it i'd lived in that house Eleven years and never saw those dewdrops that way until I started being intentional. Where are the gifts? Find the gift, give thanks, real heartfelt thanks, receive joy. Caris grace, Eucharistia, Thanksgiving, Chara, joy. Gift, thanksgiving, joy. Gift, thanksgiving, joy. Gift, thanksgiving, increase. Gift, thanksgiving, multiplication. But you will not experience consistent and profound joy because you agree with what I said this morning or that you know you should be thankful or because you give lip service to the truth of thanksgiving or because you can, quote, Philippians 4, 6, and 1 Thessalonians, and Ephesians 5. It's because you've developed a consistent, dedicated, intentional life of being thankful as you look for the simple, everyday gifts God gives you. See, here's the key. There are some things that come into our life we don't want, we don't like, we want to do without, But even being thankful in that process has the capacity to transform either it or you. But there's going to be some transformation if you're intentionally thankful. So I just said some of these already. What gives? Pearls of dew dripping off the backyard fence in the light of dawn, blinking like Christmas lights. I've been there all these years and never seen that. The smile of your great granddaughter when she first sees you and comes running. My Lexus, honest nearby mechanic. I've got two hundred thousand miles on my fourteen-year-old car, and I love it. And he's right around the corner, and he—I love that. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. He could be in Matthews. The light, all these are real. I didn't just say, hey, let me come up with some cool things, and everybody would go, oh, well, Bob, no, this is is going on when you're intentional. Light passing through the mottled fall leaf hanging from the oak tree. Half brown, half green, you see the light, you go, oh, I did this, a good night's sleep. How about the smell of fresh sheets and a newly made bed when you climb in at night? Who knows that joy? A good cheeseburger. Yes. <laughs> gift from God. <laughs> How about the smell of the air when fall has come and it's fresh the moment you walk out the front door and it hits you in the face? That's a gift. Lights. Lights. They turn on when you flip the switch. What if you flip the switch and they don't turn on? And my gray Stetson hat, I love it. I love it so much I bought five different ones just like it, only different colors. So, Repeat after me. And, 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 and. I'm going for a 1,000. I'm at 50 in four days. But I'm not cheating. I'm really, well, I'm thankful for the chairs. I'm thankful for their brood. No, no, no. (laughs) What's on your list? So let me give an official closing. Albert Schweitzer. The greatest thing is to give thanks for everything. He who has learned this knows what it means to live. He's penetrated the whole mystery of life